The Bible Study Podcast, episode 206. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of holiness. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As I said last week, I was interested in doing a study on holiness as one of a series of churchy words, words that we use in church but we don't often explain. And we talked last week that there are two dictionary definitions that I find in Bible dictionaries for holiness. And the first one is set apart for the service of God or worship of God, hallowed, sacred, reserved from profane or common use, holy vessels, a holy priesthood. And the second one is spiritually whole or sound of unimpaired innocence and virtue, free from sinful affections, pure in heart, godly, pious, irreproachable, guiltless, acceptable to God. Given that, let's look at some additional verses in the Old Testament that have to do with holiness. One of the next verses we find is from Exodus 19, verse 23. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai because you yourself warned us. Put limits around the mountain and set it apart as holy. Again, we get this as an indication of something that is set apart, something that is dedicated to the service of God's use. But we start to get an interesting aspect of holiness that we're going to get into after we do a couple more verses. Let's read, though, verse 33 of Exodus 26. This is part of the instructions of the building of the Ark of the Covenant as part of the instructions of the building of the tabernacle. The tabernacle will be this mobile temple that will be taken around for the people while they are still in the wilderness. In this, we get this instruction. Hang the curtain from the clasps and place the Ark of the Covenant behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Inside of the tabernacle of God, there is the holiest of holies. There is this place where the spirit of God dwells. And like Mount Sinai, there is a separation here in the Old Testament, here in Exodus, from the people of God, from this holy place. So we said that To be holy is to be set apart for God's use. But here we get holy and we get a different type of separation. Not a separation like this is part of the vessels that are used in the worship of God. And those would be made holy. Those would be consecrated or made holy. There'd be sacrifices done for the priests also as they're getting ready to serve in the temple. We're told in Exodus 29... Take one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons will lay hands on his head, slaughter it, and take the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar. Cut the ram into pieces and wash the internal organs and legs, putting them with the head and the other pieces. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord, a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. Take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on it, slaughtered, take some of its blood, and put it on the lobes of the right ears of Aaron and his sons, on the thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right feet. Then splash blood against the sides of the altar and take some of the blood from the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. Then he and his sons and their garments will be consecrated. And consecrated is a word that is used to make holy. And this is the process by which the priests 
would be set apart, the priests would be made holy, or the priests would be cleansed of their sins so that they could serve in the presence of God, so that they could serve especially once a year when they would go into the holiest of holies. So we have this idea of holiness being separated for God's use. The priests are separated for God's use. But we also have this Mount Sinai and also this holiest of holies as something that is separate and apart, something that is separate and we are blocked from. Because it says here in verse 35 of Exodus 29, then the altar will be most holy, and whoever touches it will be holy. I'd like to give you an analogy here of a way to think about this aspect of holiness. If you are a firefighter and you go into a burning building, you put on the appropriate garments so that you are protected from the heat of the fire. In a same way, Aaron and his sons, who are sinful by nature, need protection when they go into this holiest of holies from a holy God. This is a God who is without sin. This is a God who is different from us in that way. And I'd like you to think of the presence of God almost like a refiner's fire. At one point, Moses wants to see the Lord and is told that he can't see him. He could only see his back as he passes by. And Moses' face shines with the radiance from having seen God. And the people tell him to wear a veil because it hurts to look at him. This is the leftover glory, the Shekinah, the shining presence of God that is just a glimpse of the back of God as he passes by that Moses gets. And it's painful for people to look at Moses after he's had that little exposure to the holiness of God, to the splendor of God, to the glory of God. And so here in Mount Sinai and here in the holiest of holies, we have God putting a barrier between he and the people, I believe, to protect the people. That's what we're told in the verses around the Mount Sinai, that they can't go up to the holy mountain because they are unprepared. They are unacceptable in their sinfulness. And like the firefighter going into the fire, if he wears his protective garment, if he wears the appropriate garb, and I don't mean this like you're wearing a uniform, but I think in the New Testament that righteousness that comes through Christ, that we put on Christ, is that same sort of protective garb, that we put on Christ's holiness over our shabbiness, and that we're protected by that. That's the analogy I'd like you to think of when we think of the holiness of God. There are many other verses here in the Old Testament that talk about God's holiness, And they talk about it in this way that we were using glory, for instance. Exodus 15, 11, who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. 
1 Chronicles 16, verse 29. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out before the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And that's Second Chronicles 20, verse 21. Psalm 29, 2, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Psalm 96, verse 9, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. It's interesting that when we talk about God's holiness, so he's talked about the two definitions the Bible dictionary gives us. It gives us one is set apart for God's use. Well, clearly that's not the appropriate dictionary definition when we're talking about God's holiness. God is not set apart for God's use. God is God. And this other one, then, we have to look at this spiritually whole or sound, unimpaired innocence and virtue, free from sinful affections, pure in heart, godly. Well, of course God is godly, because that's what the word means. God is pure in a way that is spectacular, pure in a way that is not just irreproachable, but with us in our sin, unapproachable. And so again, as we get into the New Testament and its understanding of holiness, we have to remember that the God of Israel is a holy God, a God who is awesome in splendor, a God whose splendor is so awesome that even after Moses gets this little glimpse, the people can't bear to look at him. We sometimes lose track. We sometimes sing of a Jesus who's our buddy instead of realizing that the God, as the people looked up at Mount Sinai, they trembled as they saw the awesome splendor of God and the majesty of God. But all of that is going to lead us to a different encounter with holiness, especially as we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And I think we'll do that next time. With that, I think we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. As always, thanks so much for listening. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.